Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome into Attacking Third, everybody. We're so happy for you guys to be here with us again. We did the draft show. We are all back. Christine Cupo, Sandra Herrera, Lisa Carlin, Jenny Chu here for you. Lisa, you did an amazing job hosting the draft. You are an outstanding host. Thank um, you, There ladies. is so much to talk about via that draft that you hosted and everything that happened there. And I know you were on the ground, so you can tell us a little bit more about it. But first... I just want to say that's such a beautiful night, first of all. And I was sitting with Darian for our show, and she was talking about how it was so different to when she was drafted back in 2017 and the upgrades that they have made. So, Lisa, why don't you take us through what you saw on the ground? Yeah, Jenny, it is so emotional. Um, There are so many players that dream of this, right? Advancing their career, taking that next step, going to the professional game. And to register yourself and enter the draft, it can be a really scary thing for a lot of players. And then to be able to go to a draft and it's not just right. Like watching Twitter and seeing if your name gets called by a team or a a really small room where there's a couple tables of people. It is the NWSL has built the draft up to be an entire event. There is a red carpet walk and there's media photographers and mini mic sessions where the players get to show a little bit of their personality. They do a really cool photo booth thing where after you get drafted and, and you're wearing the scarf of your new club, You get to go stand in the lights and they change the color of the lights to be the color of the new team you're going to. You take pictures with your GMs and your coaches and the other players drafted with you to that same club. It is an entire event, a whole spectacle. And from player one to player 56, it is a dream come true for them. And you could see that even when you're the second to last player being drafted and you burst into tears um, like uh, Lava Vaca did and the way that her emotions were just completely overwhelmed the fact that she did get drafted and, and that those are the cool moments. Of course, the number ones and the overall picks and, and a club's first pick is really cool, but there's so many different stories and so many different obstacles that these, these players have gone to in order to reach this point in their career. And now they get to take that next step into being professionals. It is, it's really cool to see and really cool to watch. I like the draft. I have to say it. I like the draft. Well, Sandra, you were on the show with us. We had you on basically the whole time on um, our version of Attacking Third, and you were giving us what your thoughts were during the draft. But what was your favorite story to come out of the night? I got to say, there's a moment where it's late in the draft and you start to see what it means for those players who have made the trip out to go and, and, and sit and be, you know, a part of that draft event, you know, will they, or won't they get their name, get called starts kind of trickling into their own heads and obviously their support systems that they have around them out there. And uh, I love that Lisa's like, Hey, I like the draft, you know, I, and I know that we 
that's been a topic of conversation for us at A3 in uh, in a year that has a double expansion draft. And we talk about that expansion draft with, with Utah and Bay and last year with Angel City and in San Diego. And then we have the entry draft, right? This the NWSL draft, which is looks a little bit different and has had uh, upgrades and revamps and revisions. What it feels like every single year now. I, and I think, you know, we could talk to players who have gone through that process and hear them talk about how it's changed from when they had to go through that process to now and seeing how maybe more players more often than not might make that decision to turn pro and they won't have some of those loopholes or red tape on them in order to make that decision. Whereas before, maybe they had to go through their complete college eligibility before they could even declare that's not something that is a necessity anymore. There's a U18, you're an under 18 mechanism for for players to utilize if they're trying to go ahead and pick up talent outside of the draft. It's very interesting to see and, and witness and go through this and see players go through this now year after year. And I got to say, as, as someone who is maybe a little bit of the opposite, where I take a look at the draft and say, there should be a way to move on from this. There should be a way for, you know, NWSL to to make to continue to reevaluate those processes for players to enter the league that might someday see the concept of an expansion draft or an entry draft kind of become obsolete, maybe kind of raise your profile is more of a, a global league than just an American league. But, you know, that's that's not a thing that's, you know, uncommon when it comes to American league. The concept of a draft is something that is very uniquely American. And I think when people say, we'll try to pick up some things that define American soccer culture, a draft is actually one of those things for them. And so while even like someone like myself who says, mm, okay, maybe the draft is unnecessary because look how soccer functions outside of the on the global landscape you get these moments on a draft night where you see what it means to players who essentially make the decision to bet on themselves because that is actually what's happening and what we're witnessing in an NWSL draft. We're looking at players who have gone through months of discussions, conversations, back and forth, will they or won't they what route quote unquote, are they going to choose to go pro? And they say, you know what? I'm going to make myself eligible for the NWSL draft. I'm going to declare for the draft. And then you find out there's some hunt, some 230 people alongside you and there's only 56 picks. It's such an intense experience and overall night when it comes down to it. And you can see what it means in, in somebody like a Leveni Vaca or even like I believe it was a Sam Carey who ended up going late to, to racing Louisville. You see the jubilation come to life during that night and, and maybe you have some players like in the Sam Carey going to, to, to racing and you kind of see jubilation and almost like a sense of relief and excitement and you see a Leveni Vaca and then the emotion come out in different ways through literal tears and there's a moment where you kind of check yourself and you're like, wow, if if somebody actually wants to know what the NWSL and NWSL draft means to somebody, you just take a look at those players and you can see what that means. I think for for me at least, the NWSL draft it's it's massive, right? It's so painfully American, but I do adore it. It's ours, right? So I think it's important because I think that we should have some differentiation from other leagues that are beyond the U.S. But Bear in mind that draft is not the be-all, end-all for the start of someone's career. There's always yep. options outside of the draft. You're, you can play overseas. There's preseason camps that are invitation. There's other leagues. It's not the only path forward. And I think that 
it's important that message is sent to new potential players mm-hmm. making their way out of college. You have players like Mia Fischel, who has been incredibly successful. Orlando had their eyes on her and she opted to go to Liga MX and play for Tigres and was incredibly, incredibly successful there, only to further make her way abroad to Chelsea now. You have um, Bethany Balser, who's undrafted Rookie of the Year in 2019. So I, there's there's a lot of options out there for the, the pro path forward for these women footballers in general. And I think that that's an important thing to remind people. Everyone that got drafted, I'm sure, will be a bright yeah. star in the USL and beyond. But right now, the world is your oyster. Yeah, I agree, dude. I, I think that's the, my favorite part. My favorite part is the this, this part right now, the after the draft, right? What's it going to look like and what it, what is it going to mean for those other players, those 180 to 90-something players who went through this process and what's going to come next for them? I'm, I'm excited for that. One thing I live and die by is that football is the most romantic thing on the planet, and I don't care. You will never, ever, ever prove me wrong or make me change my mind because you have all of these storylines, right? Like there's so much promise and optimism. Yeah, it's cool to see like what's going to come after this because I'm almost like, are we going to get in? Like, is there room for more me officials? You know, hearing you talk about it a little bit, Kupo, it's like, yeah, this is a player that did get drafted, that did declare herself eligible for the NWSL draft. And like you said, Orlando had their eyes on her and she said, you know what? I want to start my career elsewhere and do something a little bit different. So it's like, what, what, what's next? While there is, Sandra, this like great topic and, and that you're bringing up, Christine, that there are other options and these people are not necessarily, if they didn't get drafted, done. There is also, you know, Jeff Kasuf came out with an article today about people not liking the college draft. And while Lisa comes on and says that she's a big fan of it because she's American and she she has all this love for it. That I have no Jeff shame. points out about <laughs> it is that there are plenty of players <laughs> that got drafted that will not make a team. They will not play. They will get traded. They yeah. like, so there is... This part of me that as a player, I felt a lot of embarrassment or shame about if I was not the best, right? Like this is just like what happens in, you know, mentally when they get drafted. So for example, you're at the draft, Lisa, and those players that came there and they didn't get drafted, that's a shitty feeling because you're there with your parents, you're there with expectance, right? And then you do get drafted. So you go through this whole, like, I got drafted, woo, woo, woo. Oh, now I didn't make the team. Like there are moments of like, like difficulties that, that go along with that. So while there is the, yes, the highs, the highs, I hate to be the one that's always the low one talking about what the, no, what the negative is, you're but not, you're speaking the reality truth. is that there is a reality check for a lot of these players that aren't going to make it. And I've had many teammates that go pro and then they're, they're done. They don't want anything to do with it or they go overseas or they go into PR mm. and whatever they go into that has nothing to do with their plans because the reality is. Only X amount of players are going to play. Only X amount of players are going to be stars, are going to make money, mind you, money. Like there are so many aspects of this. So I just thought it was a good shout out about Jeff Kasuf having that article saying that there are a lot of people that are not big fans of it because of it. And maybe we shift away from that as Americans. Something to consider, not something I'm saying is correct or not. I didn't get a chance to shout out my biggest thing here. And I'm sorry, I have to do it. I didn't mention it once on the show, but the top college with NWSL draftees, University of North Carolina, six of them. (laughs) Come on, you knew I was going to come in with that. (laughs) Jenny, I I agree with you. I mean, I think that's an awesome shout. Number one and number two, both mm-hmm. out of UNC. Kudos. I, I like it. I like the shout for your school. You, you got to. Not only that, I mean, mind you, pride. UNC as a school is now probably not going to do that well in women's soccer because they just lost a freshman and a sophomore that they expected to have there. Considering <laughs> yeah. Sandra speaking about before you had to wait four years before you could declare. Now they can go right after freshman year, just like Savvy King did. And yep. now Anson Dorrance is probably sitting there thinking, "Woo." 
we got to recruit a ton of people. Would I have liked it if the women before me could have left earlier? Absolutely. Because my playing time probably would have been a little bit (laughs) better there. Uh, Andrew, you know, I'm talking facts. Come on. I'm not, I'm not winning time over Crystal Dunn, Kaylea. Oh, hi. They had to leave. You know, everyone got to go, go. Talk about a top top draft class. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The thing that you speak of Jenny, that's very important to be a successful pro is resilience right? Yeah. So they're going to be the high highs and the low lows. And I don't think that you were being negative at all in the yeah. reality that you have before you. But I think that without resilience and knowing that you're going to have to endure these high highs and low lows, yeah, you can't really move forward. Extremely important messaging. And adaptability as well. Like even when you look at so many of these players and these stars that are leading goal scorers of their college teams, or, or they lead the, the conference and assists or whatever those crazy stats are that so many of these players have, they need to be adaptable because a lot of coaches talk about how you look at a player outside of the bubble of what they did in college and their skill set that they have, their vision on the field, their technical ability. And where does that fit into in other spots on the field? And so many players get drafted as a forward and then they play outside back after their two or three seasons in the NWSL, right? When they finally turn that page and, and their player arc has developed a little bit more and they're playing completely out of position than what they did in college. So it's a mind game to some Lisa, extent, not right? Only, not only positionally, right? You're changing cities, you're changing environments, yeah. you're changing teams, states. I mean, everything. There's so much we can talk about this topic. I'm, I'm excited that we have all of these women that bring such important different opinions about all of it. So we're going to go to a commercial and we have... North Carolina Courage head coach Sean Nahas joining us next, so don't go anywhere. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Sean Nahas, head coach of the North Carolina Courage. Welcome into Attacking Third. We are so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to see you. First of all, congratulations on the contract extension. That's a big one. We haven't seen you since, so congratulations on that. And now, both drafts are over. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, after the expansion, I was a little bit, you know, concerned. And, you know, we lose some key players. And, um, but, you know, they ended up in good places. And, and you know, we were able to get – Caitlin was able to go closer to home, which is what she wanted. And, uh, yeah, now we're, now we're looking for the future. All right, coach, the draft for the college players is a really big deal for so many players. And history has proven that you're very good with your draft picks that you get. When you look at last year and the players you were able to pick up, they're all still signed and they have 
done a lot with North Carolina already. This year in 2024, you picked up some really talented players out of the NWSL draft uh, with your three picks, Talia Stadi out of UVA, Julia Dorsey um, and Landy Mertz, UNC for Dorsey and uh, Landy Mertz out of Pittsburgh. When you looked at these three players that you wanted to get in this draft, what stood out about them? Why these players to North Carolina? Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it was a great draft overall. Right. So it was really deep. But I think we just we looked at the needs that we that we had and trying to find areas that we can fill from a depth perspective. And, you know, obviously our back line was that was an area of need that we wanted to make sure that we tried to fulfill and just really looking to see what was available. Obviously, once we traded the fifth pick, you know, for Ash, we knew that we had to find some depth areas and and we were we were fortunate to find study and. You know, the, the you know, Landy being there at the end was important for us, too. I think I had mentioned to others that, you know, the way she plays was suits us. And she likes to sit on the line and, and attack players. And she's a great attack minded. And, and then there's obviously with Dorsey, you know, someone that's just worked her whole career and someone that could bring a great energy and can play multiple roles. So we were really thrilled with, with the picks that we had from a depth perspective. Okay, Coach, so Ashley Sanchez, massive, massive attacking talent that you brought in. But with that, you also got some money what do you think you'll be spending on ahead? Because that's a big chunk of change you have to deal with with that allocation. Yeah, I mean, Ash will be great at center back for us this year. So um, <laughs> this isn't Calcio. What are you doing? This isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna bunk. We're gonna bunker in this year. Um, no, uh, we're excited about what we're doing. You know, I'll, I'll say that something else is getting across the line soon. And I know I've been putting some tweets out, but we truly are not done. We feel that what with the foundation that we laid down last year allows for us to go find players that suit exactly what we need and how we want to play. And, and that's what we're doing. So credit to the front office and and the play in our scout, scouting areas and going and finding players that can come in right away and, and help us improve on what we did last year. All right. I like that. I want to stick with that a little bit, coach, because there's a lot of excitement about with what just happened in, in the draft and what you're teasing with what's to come. And we're also really, really excited to to see what's next for you all. But I, I do want to kind of focus on, on what's the present and what's the now. What what are some of those key opportunities that you think you want the team to hone in on and build off of based off of last year's performance? And talk to me about why Narumi is going to be such a big part of that, because I loved watching her play last year. Yeah. I mean, she's a gem. It's, it's a good question. I, I think we, you know, obviously we, we changed the dynamic of, of so many different things and became really possession oriented. And, and I think obviously losing M to, or Foxy to, to Arsenal was massive, but let me go out on the record and say, I'm thrilled for her. I'm really happy for her that she found that she, there's something that she dreamed of and, and I fully supported it. So, but now it's, how do we fill in that role? Sydney Collins had a great you know start to her season last year, but we want to continue to be threatening in the final third. We felt that you know, Carol, with Carol being out, it became very one dimensional at times and became very sometimes easy to defend. But now adding some certain pieces, we become a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more uncertain in the final third because I want our players to have a lot more freedom in the final third. So that was an area that I felt we needed to improve on. We, we wasted a lot of key chances in the final third last year and bringing players in like we are and then imp- and improving our back line. I think we'll help in that. But our midfield is so critical. I mean, you have Rumi, you have Manaka, you have Vic Pickett, you have Sol, you have Pinto. We have other pieces that are that are looking to come in. So we're really excited about where we are and uh, and where we're going in the future. Sean, I'm kind of curious about 
you know, going from being an assistant coach, you were obviously, you know, youth coach. I played with you in, in a youth sense and then going into um, being the assistant coach and now being the head coach for the second year in a row. How you kind of determine your own style, right? Because playing and coaching at a youth level, developmental level is so different and deciding what your playing style is going to be, what players and personalities and how you balance them. Like what has the whole experience been like and what have you learned going into this next year? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think you know, someone asked me, like, even when I was an assistant coach, one of my friends asked me, like, if you ever became a head coach, would you, because I was very possession oriented in the, in the youth game. And they asked, would you do this in the pro game too? And I looked at them and said, I don't know any other way. This is what I truly believe. And this is what I've studied. And, you know, you have the right pieces and you have players that buy in. It, it can be something really special. So, you know, I would say that it's a, Jenny, it's a, it's a matter of really being firm in your beliefs and having players that, want to that want to play that way and that are that want to be coachable and and adaptable you know when you have players that have been in the pro league for years and they say i feel like i'm learning something new every day or i feel like i've uh, i see the game in a different way that means we're doing something right and that's no matter what age it doesn't matter they still want to learn they still want to get better they still want to develop and i feel like that's what we're doing and yeah without the youth game and all the years i put into the youth i would never be able to do what i'm doing now getting on the grass and coaching is so important. And that's probably my biggest advice to any young coach out there that the more experience you get and trying honing your craft, the more confident you'll be when you, when you start moving up in certain areas. You've found a lot of success at your time already with North Carolina, right? Establishing how you want to play, giving a true identity to this courage side. I want to talk a little bit about this year in 2024, because the format's a little different. There's a little bit of a longer preseason and without a preseason challenge cup tournament, because that has been revamped for 2024, you will jump right into the season come March, but there's an extended preseason. What is your goal during that month and a half, two month period when you first get in with your squad? It's really starting where we left off. I think it's not, you know, not hitting any reset button. It's saying, hey, this is where we started last year and where we ended. And now this is where we are and this is where we're going. You know, the one thing I talked about in our meetings last year before the season started was we had 30 players and we want to become one. And then when we walk out that door, what do we want it to look at like at the end of the season? And we feel we did a great job of that. So now when we enter back into that door, it's what do we want it to look like when we walk through the 10 month season? So it is a long preseason, which is fine. I think it's uh, it'll allow us to sort of get into a rhythm a lot sooner. And but I also, you know, not having the Challenge Cup, you know, a little disappointed that obviously winning the challenge cup two years in a row and not being able to defend that is something that we, that we discussed, but that extra time I think will be good for us to really start to add new layers to who we are and who we want to become, because we do have to evolve. We can't stay static with what we are. We want to evolve. We want to become more dynamic. We want to become more entertaining. And uh, that's why we're making the moves that we're making. It's funny to hear you frame it like that. It's almost like the league said the courage are too good at the Challenge Cup. We got to revamp it <laughs> a little bit. It's wild to think about. Um, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe expand on, on some of um, your, your thoughts you put, put out there on, on social media. I know you were one of a couple of coaches who, you know, said how, how they their opinions about uh, something like the expansion draft and then we're finding ourselves coming out of, of a regular NWSL entry draft and, 
and maybe how some of the dynamic around there is a little different because we we literally see like kind of these dreams coming to life in, in motion. So there's different perspectives there. And then you've also got like in between that trades uh, that happen in between an expansion draft and then during a regular draft. So I, I think with, with Ashley Sanchez, I think there's always two sides of that coin. I think she posted on her social how it was shocking at, at first, but now she's ready to get to work with North Carolina Courage. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts as a coach on, on that opposite side of the trade because now it's really about having this player embracing this player and making sure that this is an environment that they want to succeed in and play in. So can you talk to me a little bit about kind of being on that side of the trade? Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because everyone was talking about how bad of a decision it was for spirit to trade Washington, but no one talked about how good of a move it was for the courage. You know, I think that's important too, to that two sided coin, but you know, when it comes to the expansion draft and all that, I, you know, you have a roster of 26 players to only be able to protect nine is really difficult. I mean, it really is. And I understand the dynamics of why we do it. But I also look at it as it makes it really difficult to develop. You know, you, you start to get to a foundation and then, you know, you all of a sudden now it's being broken up and I get it. But then you also have 18 year olds who you have to protect when, you know, they're, they just turn 18 and then they're deciding not to go to college. But yet, if you don't protect them, you're, they're being told you have to move across the country, and that may not be what they want. You have internationals who are coming to the league specifically to be a part of a team, and then you have to protect them. Maybe they don't want to go anywhere else because that's why they came to the league to play for that particular club. So those are, I think, a little nuance that you have to be careful with when it comes to only protecting nine. In terms of the trade, I get it. You know, The good thing is, Sandra, is I've known Ash for 10 years, over 10 years, so She's a massive trust person and she needs to be comfortable. So I think that's helped. She knows someone here. She knows Case, obviously. She knows Pinto. And anytime someone's traded, it's difficult and, and it's, sho it's shocking to their system regardless. But I think knowing how we play and, and how important and vital she's going to be to what we do. And I think I think she, she's going to end up being OK. I've stayed in touch with her the best I could and checked on her. And I've had the, you know Sully and some of our other leaders reach out to her to check on her. And I've told the, you know, the club to sort of give her a couple of days to let it sink in. Let's not overwhelm her. I want to respect her and, and her time and let her sort of come to grips with everything. But uh, I checked in with her yesterday and she's excited and ready to go. And we can't wait to have her here in, uh, in North Carolina. Sean, with the courage being one of the clear winners from this draft, how many strategies did you go in with and how far did you have to deviate from what I guess would be plan A? Yeah, I feel bad for my, my staff because they had such an in-depth thing of profiles of college players and all of a sudden pick five goes and pick 10 goes. And I'm like, yeah, but let's look at who we're getting here. Um, I, I'm OK with all the work you guys put in, but this is a this is a piece. You know, I think Ash is one of the best young players in the world, and I don't think everyone has seen that yet. And I think our, I think what we do and, you know, I told her the other day, I said, this is going to be an unbelievable season for you. So I think when you look at the processes, it's a, the thing is, Chris, is you don't know who's going to take who, you know, right. like I was, surprised, I was surprised to see so many players like Sam Meza dropping as far as she did. I was surprised, but I think that's the beauty of it. But then you look at the other end of the spectrum and you see the young girl from Iowa get drafted late and she burst into tears as if she was a number one draft pick. So there's something special about the draft. And and I think, um, but for us, once we had Ash in place, we got close to the wire. But once we got Ash in place, we knew we exactly what we needed to do. And we were really, it was such an easy process for us this draft compared to last year. We were like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have to remember the D trade has brought us Sydney Collins. It's brought us yeah. monetary value. It's brought us Ash. It's brought us all these different pieces. And people don't talk about that. 
the draft is so important for players to be able to get into the league and for coaches to pick up players that they think are going to fit well with their system. But there were over 230 draftees and only 56 picks. There were so many players that didn't get drafted. What's your advice to them about how they can start their professional careers? Yeah, it, look, it's a, it's a tough situation. And, and, and I think anytime you're not drafted, it's not the end of the line. It's actually just the beginning of something different. It doesn't mean you won't get invited into a camp. It doesn't mean like I've already been in touch with a player or two about maybe having them come in as invites because they've earned that right. But I also think there's, you know, look, there's so many leagues to play in. There's the USL league. There's see, there's, there's things overseas. There's, I mean, if they just enter just to be in the NBA Basel draft, you know, you're coming in with your percentage is being small, but instead look at the other side, small percentage and everything else is a big percentage. So look at that. And then how do you attack that? Because, you're still young. You're, something's going to pan out, you know, and you know, at the end of the day, go find somewhere that, that you're going to be able to go play, compete, hone your craft. And then who knows, maybe you come back and, and you and you're back in the league. But if you pack up and you say, I'm done, well, then all the work you put in to get here is to me is a waste. So don't look at it as a door shut. It's just a, it's, a, it's a crack into a door somewhere else. And now it's how you walk through it, how you attack it, what you want to make of it, and then go make the most of it when you get your chance. Wow. That, that was, was awesome. beautiful, Sean. Thanks. So what I got from that is that we can all make a team now. If anyone was ready to come back. Yeah, once, Christine is, once, once Christine is recovered, you're invited in the preseason. There you go. Yeah, Jenny, I've seen you play before. You're good. Come back to your Chapel Hill roots. We're fine. <laughs> all right, Sean. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Congratulations on everything so far. The extension, the draft. I mean, I'm really excited to see how Ashley Sanchez pans out for you guys because I know she has the quality and to have someone that can bring that out of her and kind of let her shine is really exciting to see. So, so thank you so much for joining us on Attacking Third. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. And I will say also be ready on Wednesday for something special. <laughs> All right, John. Wow. We will be on the lookout. You don't want to give us a little hint now? That's the hint. That's the hint. That is the hint. <laughs> you want to play dictionary, Jenny? If it, if it changes, I'll let you know. But as of right now, things are good in coverage country. Okay. I'll be speaking with you guys soon, I'm sure. Well, you'll be back on the show on Friday, I'm sure. All right, John. All right, guys. guys. Appreciate your time. Thank you. We're going to go to a quick commercial, and we will have more talk on women's soccer when we come back. All right, welcome back into Attacking Third. Ladies, we have to talk about the return of the old Rain logo. OL Rain has returned to the Seattle Rain, and I know that a ton of you guys are interested in this and excited about this. Sandra, give us the background on all of this. Look, I, before we get into the background, I need to just talk about how excited I am that this rebrand, this rebrand to the old brand is back. The in queen business. is back. <laughs> I love it. That's the energy, Lisa. That's what we need to to have and bring on to this segment. It's uh, it, it was so dope to sort of see that kind of get unveiled and and come back to, to life. I, I know when OL Group came into the league and got an ownership stake in Seattle Rain that that impending rebrand was going to come in. Part of that meant that there was going to be a farewell to some of that branding that we had gotten used to with Seattle rain. And it was a little bit sad, you know, to see the queen kind of, 
casted out in favor of what looked like a lion eating a Pringles chip. So I know the, the, the new colors and everything, I think kind of like everyone was like, okay, well, if, if this is what investment and resources means and looks like, here's what we're going with. But now we're starting to see a little bit of a switch in that. And it's, it's funny now, like we can all laugh about it now because the queen is back. Like, like Lisa said, so I'm, I'm hyped to see the return of this as I'm just wondering can we get like an option to also acquire a tiara with their like home kit I, I would be doubling down quite frankly I will walk around and just do a pageant wave for everybody but no I I personally love I don't want to call it retro but domestic soccer so American soccer men's or women's I long for a lot of those OG logos to come back, especially for some of the founding teams, I'll call them, of the leagues that have been around for so long because they're so rich in history that I think we get caught up in that whole like idea of global marketing that we should really just be leaning into the identity that was established. So you know what? Like God save the queen. <laughs> yeah, I I agree completely, Christine. It's it's really important that because Seattle is a an OG of the NWSL. They've been around since 2013. This is what their logo looked like, essentially, uh, back in 2013, when they did have a lot of success. You think about the 14 Shield, the 15 Shield, when they had a lot of winning happening at their club, this is what they looked like. They were called Seattle Rain. And in 2020, when they were bought by the LOL group, uh, that's when they shifted and they did alter. They did keep the, the quote, rain of their title in it, going from Seattle Rain to OL Rain. But now that they're back to Seattle Rain, I think there's also an element of kind of embracing the community that they're in, right? Like now there's an identity for Seattle and that Seattle has this team. There would be so many times I would be talking to new fans of the NWSL or just soccer fans in general that wanted to get involved. And I would mention, quote, OL Reign, and they would say, where is that team? What, where in the country is that? Because there wasn't necessarily an identity tying it to a location. So now that they have rebranded back to Seattle Reign, there's an element of pride for the people of Seattle to be able to reclaim this title of their NWSL club um, and hopefully bring a championship back to Seattle because that's what yeah. the queen wants. That's what Laura Harvey wants. And that's exactly what the fans want. To touch on what Jenny was like alluding to essentially with this, like we have this rebrand. What does it mean? Could that mean that finally this, this group, this franchise is, is inching closer to finalizing a deal for a new ownership stake. So I know from what we had last heard from commissioner Berman at the end of the, the quarter, they said, we want to have a deadline for our existing franchise to have their sales done by the end of calendar year. We saw that not essentially come to fruition right away, but hearing her, hearing her say ahead of the draft that, Hey, we fell a little bit short of that, but things are, are moving and they're looking to have an announcement, hopefully sometime sooner rather than later. We just talked about Portland Thorns and welcoming in Raw Sports as part of a new ownership group for a new era in the Thorns in the NWSL. And does this kind of, relaunch of a brand for Seattle rain mean that that is going to come very, very soon. So I'm hopeful that it is. I'm hopeful that you don't go through something like this and sort of give a complete new relook or a complete new re rebrand to the team without there something else to announce in the next coming months, or at least at the very least ahead of this upcoming regular season. So I know a lot of great reporting out there already around this, especially locally about 
a bid with Seattle Sounders, Carlisle Group kind of coming in and boosting things up? Is this going to be the group that essentially goes ahead and finalizes things and gets things over the table? And we can really hear another announcement alongside this rebrand about a new ownership group as well. And I think that's part of the really, really exciting angle about this. When navigating expansion teams versus existing franchises and the sales of those clubs, I think there's always that little part of it. Like, what does that mean for that existing franchise? Is the ownership group that comes in interested in keeping and maintaining the groundwork and all of the blueprint that has been laid out within those local markets? So we've seen Chicago, we've seen Portland, those teams are staying put and it looks like, and hopefully fingers crossed, it continues with Seattle and they get to stay and the rain in Seattle as well. Massive soccer city. So like, yeah. I feel like, come on, like if anybody's going to have a formidable presence, it's got to be Seattle. Yeah, they have to be. And there's even talk about the ownership being in conjunction with the Seattle Sounders, right? And and having some type of relationship between the men's side and Seattle. And then of course, uh, Seattle Reign. The timing of this announcement, I think is a little bit important to mention because the NWSL draft happened last Friday. The announcement of the rebrand happened just a few days before. As someone who covers the NWSL, I was so nervous that I was going to say, oh, all right. I was like, couldn't this rebrand have happened like a week before? We're just changing the name on everyone right now. But with that change of name also came, of course, the new logo and new merchandise because the Seattle Rain put out on Twitter an amazing bomber jacket that was going to be part of their new fashion line and and with their new logo and new branding and everything. And of course, head coach of Seattle, Laura Harvey says, I need this. How do I get this? So shout out to Seattle Reigns uh, PR side, Brian Perez, especially the, the head PR there in Seattle, because they worked tirelessly to somehow FedEx overnight this jacket from the warehouse, wherever that picture was taken, because it wasn't in Seattle at that point, somehow get it to Anaheim, to Laura Harvey for the draft. And ultimately she ends up wearing this bomb bomber jacket at the draft. They end up getting new branding, um, new backdrops. That way all the players that were drafted to the rain had the new branding. And it wasn't this awkward moment of like, well, this isn't really what our logo looks like. And we're actually called this. They did it a fantastic job turning it all around and, of course, getting the swag out there to Laura Harvey so she could rock it at the draft. But also, like, Harvey now in in the, in the lead for 2024-25 season drippiest coach award, which is going to be a new attacking third award by the end of this year because I, I think we just should have it. It's, it's necessary. I don't know. I need. I think I need one. I think I, I got to get one to see how it feels. <laughs> no, check the fit out. I got to make sure the drip is actually correct. So, um, Darren and I were on the show after the draft and she was telling Bay FC to make sure to send us all at attacking third a jacket <laughs> because they had some cool gear. Sandra's now asking for gear from the rain. No um, shame in my game. Yeah, that re- rebrand. Just, like, all, every team, every team gets a postcard with the return address. That's everybody's sizing. Just like, thanks, hearts. <laughs> Please send gear. Here are sizes and names. <laughs> All right. The attacking third girlies will never not ask for some really cool football gear, soccer gear from all around. But um, we're going to go to a quick break and have so much more attacking third when we come back. All right, ladies, it is time to chat women's FA Cup action that just went down. Manchester City, Manchester United, and Arsenal all cruised to easy victories. Man City, 4-0 against Durham. Manchester United, 5-0 against Newcastle. Arsenal, 5-1 against Watford. 
There's plenty more to talk about here, but I'm going to go ahead and hand this over to Christine Cupo because Emily Fox got the start for Arsenal in this match. And I mean, it feels like she was just announced yesterday, basically. And then she went straight in and started. What did you think of her performance and just Arsenal overall? Isn't that the ideal though, right? You get signed, you get right mm-hmm. on to pitch. Uh, it's, 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 she said that she's acclimating pretty quickly, which is wonderful. She looked good. She didn't look like she was shying away from anything, but already she's got her own song. Like Gooners will never, ever <laughs> fail you. Okay. So she's already got the fans screaming and singing her name, which that's got to give you a bump in a lot of ways. I think we'll see her come into her own. I think obviously this is a building block for her and she'll move fine seamlessly. I think that she showed what she had last season um, with the courage. And I think that going ahead, she's got the confidence and I think a lot of the moxie to get it done uh, in the WSL. You're exactly right, Christine. That's what you want as a player when you're going into that type of situation. I also think that she played very composed, right? You could tell that, like, I mean, the rumors of her going to Arsenal had been there for a very long time. She'd been training <laughs> with the with the Gunners. Like, she was well on her way to, to getting that starting spot. But this is a huge step in her career and, and the progression for her as a player. It's such a young star already. She had bopped around the NWSL playing for two different teams and And then, of course, a lot of experience at the international level with the U.S. But now that Fox is able to play with Arsenal in, of course, the Super League and this FAA Cup, it's going to add so many more elements to her game. And you could already see that, right? I mean, she has a lot of familiarity with teammates from from college playing in Arsenal, but um, a warm welcome, of course, from the Gunners to see over there. I was going to say, Lisa, I'm like, I'm just, I'm thrilled that this is finally just, it's done and dusted. It's out there. Emily Fox to Arsenal with a star in the FA Cup after what, not even weeks. It was like months of, of it felt like speculation getting this American. Well, we were, we were the all pond. in those getting images. I know we were, right? Like photo hunts. Oh, it's like, is she in there? <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And I mean, look, comfortable start as well. I think we have to kind of, Call it like we see it. I think you take a look at at the scoreline and you say, okay, they went out there to care to care of business. So uh, I think I think good for Fox, kind of just sort of get that one under a belt before the season kind of actually makes you know it's 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 full return from from winter break and looking forward to seeing more seeing more of this. Honestly, I think that was probably my my biggest highlight and takeaway uh, out of some of these FA Cup mission, uh, fixtures that we got to see uh, Americans kind of get out there and make an impact across these games. Awesome to see the the absolute dominance from some of these teams that we kind of expect to dominate. Um, but I kind of want to talk about the team that didn't dominate as much um, that we usually expect to see them dominate yeah. in Chelsea. Um, they had that game against West Ham. West Ham goes up first. Obviously, we see a me official equalizer that was absolutely out of this world and worth waiting for. But the difference is that Sam Kerr's not there. Obviously, we talked mm-hmm. about her injury to her knee and how that changes things for the Blues, right? Like, they're coming off of of, season, of preseason, like not playing for a couple of weeks in real games. So it was rusty to begin with. And then not having Sam Kerr, I really think there's a void there, even with me official coming in, that she's going to have to fill that void. But the fact is, she's a leader for that team, and she has been for so long. And you can tell something is off. Without Sam Kerr there, it, it, it changes how this team is going to play because it, it's almost like a, the safety net is gone to some extent, right? It, it, an element of that. And it, Sandra, you mentioned the Americans doing great things. Of course, it's me official that gets back 
gets one back for the Blues, but it took a while. There was some rust that they had to shake off, and there was some uh, problem solving that had to happen on the pitch in the absence of Kerr, right? And, and knowing that different players are going to have to step up in very different situations. And I think the target on Chelsea's back has just gotten so much bigger since the injury to Sam Kerr because they are reigning FA Cup champions. Uh, you look at how they've done in the Champions League, knowing that they want to succeed and, and lift that cup at the end of Champions League as well. Every other team is now out for them and saying, hey, they're without their leading goal scorer. Now's our chance to knock them down. So you're going to see the competition of every single team that goes up against Chelsea. Uh, just give it that much more. And that's exactly what West Ham did, being able to go out, score early and put the Blues behind. Ultimately, Chelsea does come back. And once extra time started, it was kind of like, bam, bam, they get two and then they ultimately finish it off. But it's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for Chelsea over the next couple of weeks. And I think for West Ham as well. You know, I, I mean, I know we're talking about FA Cup a little bit and, and Coop, I'm going to let you do what you do. But I, I think for West Ham, too, like this is this is a, a team that we saw them coming out of the transfer window, making moves in an effort to kind of starve off a, a regulation battle. So to kind of get into back into the mix of things, have an FA Cup, maybe have that game in front of them against Chelsea as a bit of a of an opportunity, like you're mentioning, Lisa, like seeing that they're without Sam Kerr, seeing that there's an opportunity here to maybe kind of get your, you know, step onto the pitch on the right foot, so to speak, and make sure that they go into this second half of Women's Super League season ready to make sure that they do starve off regulation. I think it's, they're going to take a look at this and maybe kind of look at it as an opportunity loss, but for, for things to build on to hopefully continue to kind of start off regulation. Emma Hayes having to tinker a lot more than we have previously, especially with Sam Kerr being absent. She's just a one, one of a kind kind of player that you're not going to be able to replace, but trying to play Lauren James the way that she did was not beneficial to anyone. In my opinion, uh, it was interesting to me because I probably would have tried to get me official on sooner. She obviously subbed on for Fran Kirby in the second half, but that was really when you kind of got that um, hold up play back with Lauren James, you need her to be playing more centrally. And I feel like when you don't have her doing that to sort of be able to get on the ball and just pave the way ahead, it's one of her, chief assets that you really, really need for that side to be able to play, especially to have any sort of real build-up play. And without that, you're lacking so much that you see everything falls flat. So with Big Fish, honestly, that header directly to her was also assist, bang on, teed it up for herself to do that little half volley that she managed to get that shot off. Just beautiful, beautiful play. And now they have ahead, like what, Man United, Real Madrid, Brighton, and then Paris FC. So their path ahead is not going to be easy. I think that one of the important things that a lot of people don't notice as much about Lauren James's game is that she plays really well off of Sam Kerr. There is something about how Sam Kerr is able to make the players around her look better. And that's what makes such an elite player out of her. The way that they won too, the way that Sam finds um, Lauren James and makes her look better is kind of instrumental to Lauren James doing so well. So a lot of people had criticism about Lauren James's performance, but I think that, you know, when you've been playing with her for so long, meaning Sam Kerr and she's no longer there, Lauren James now wants to take up more responsibility than she is used to taking up. Mind you, she is the player that she is and she will be the best player on the field period at some point. But right now she does need to kind of like have the leaders that help her out. And if you notice when they play together, Sam Kerr kind of bears the load so that Lauren James can look good or better than she would in, in some situations, like giving her the ball in a situation where she can turn and shoot, I think is kind of forgotten. So if I were Lauren James, I would be feeling a little bit 
abandoned on the field because I'm so used to playing with her. And and mind you, that's not a, a knock on Lauren James at all, but it's a fact that Sam Kerr and Lauren James play really well together. And so that's going to take getting used to for Lauren. Um, I know that she was taking a lot of shots that maybe she shouldn't have been shooting, but that's, Again, it takes her getting closer to goal, like you were mentioning, Christine. And when Sam Kerr isn't there, she's kind of not as close to goal as she needs to be. And then she's taking shots that are never going to make it. I mean, it's just altogether, Chelsea didn't look like themselves. It wasn't just Lauren James yeah. not doing a good job. They all looked off. And truly, if my leader or any team's leader, you know, is all of a sudden injured and like everything has changed and your other leader in terms of your head coach is also leaving you at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things and emotions at play at that moment adding the rust. It's just um, lots to talk about there for Chelsea. But why don't we go ahead and move on to Tottenham before we run out of time here because they left it super late to beat Sheffield United, who was up 2-0 first, and then Tottenham comes back with three. Sandra, you're looking away like like you like this one. You know, the thing about FA Cup is I think there's just always opportunity for like the upset, you know, and then you think it's going to happen and then it doesn't. And you're like, okay, so this is just really we're just we're just witnessing, you know, teams that, Maybe we expect it to go out there and perform well, ultimately figure out ways to go and get those results. We're just talking about a Chelsea side doing what they do against West Ham, maybe needing some extra time to to do that right after a long holiday break. But then we see a Tottenham against Sheffield United, maybe in a similar thread, kind of coming off of a long winter break, coming off of holiday, having to jump into an FA Cup game. And maybe Sheffield United saying, hey, there's an opportunity here and kind of starting off on that front foot, going ahead early in the game in the opening 15 minutes with the goal from Haywood, but unable to kind of maybe sustain some of that early momentum that they built up in the game because we have Tottenham essentially walking away with like another kind of late game performance The this is something I think that we're going to keep an eye on maybe moving forward in the second half of the season with Spurs because this, they're showing that they're no strangers to that sort of come from behind, that spur of the late game moment type of fixture. And I think we saw it again in this one against Sheffield United. So to get that the late game penalty, to get that kind of at the death uh, kind of go ahead goal from Ayane, you know, the, the, the Moroccan international just kind of pulling them over the hump and saying, we're going to make sure that we take this dub so you like it I love it I think we're going to see more of it for Tottenham it was definitely the Beth England is back baby uh match for sure okay like she pulled up got the job done Spurs perhaps the better of the Spurs the women's side should be the one that's lauded <laughs> oh my gosh of course you had to say that all right <laughs> we know where her allegiances lie so don't hold it against her Spurs fans um okay we're gonna go to a quick break and we have so much more attack in third for you so keep it here with us The draw for the Adobe Women's FA Cup fifth round was made. I'm going to talk about the matchups that are set. And you guys are going to tell me which ones your favorite are here, ladies. London City Lionesses up against Liverpool. Arsenal against Manchester City. That one is one worth licking your chops for. Manchester, sorry, Leicester City against Birmingham City. Wolverhampton Wanderers against Brighton and Hove Albion. Tottenham up against Charlton Athletic. Nottingham Forest against Everton, Southampton against Manchester United, and Chelsea up against Crystal Palace. Woo. Yeah. Okay. Christine, I'm looking at your face right now and your reaction. Talk to me. Yeah. So 
I mean, the two fixtures that stand out from the jump already is Nottingham Forest and Wolves because they're the only two left in this competition who are not WSL League. They're playing in the Premier League. So they are now the minnows in a big, big sea. So I'd like to see a little bit of an upset there because who wouldn't want to lob a chaos grenade at that? And then, of course, as an Arsenal fan, seeing that draw pull up Man City, Listen, Arsenal have beaten uh, Man City regular season uh, with injuries. So I think it's it's doable. But for sure, you know, Jill Roard firing all pistons right now with the front line of Bunny Shaw, uh, Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly. A little bit scary, but nothing that Arsenal can't overcome. Um, I'm obviously going to be locked in for that match. All right, Sandra, what about you? I got to just piggyback off that. I, I'm looking at London City Linus versus Liverpool just because when Women's Super League did their holiday break, and you're looking at the standings, I talked a little bit about Liverpool when we were previously chatting about Women's Super League and saying maybe this break is coming at a good time for the Reds and that they hit a little bit of a reset button and we can go ahead and see them come back in 2024 and maybe continue to cause some problems in women's super league. They're sitting number five right now. I think FA cup is one of these very unique things that can perhaps provide a little bit of a momentum shift for some teams. And I think it could do that for Liverpool, but the other side of that coin, like, Kupo said is that uh, for London City, maybe that's going to be the, the the change and the turning point for them in something like FA Cup. And I think maybe as we're looking even further ahead, is that going to be something that helps kind of sustain them and propels them in, the, in their Champions League? So I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Listen, London City has Carolina Morace at the helm, okay? Yeah. Former striker, played for Azzurri. She also had coached the Lazio women. Uh, I don't, I think if anything, we could see a little bit of uh, magic uh, happen there. I'll, I'll, I'll roll you back to Italy, right, Koopa? I mean, and, <laughs> and we must remember the, the magic sprinkle of Michelle Kang. She's now owner yeah. of, of London City. Mm-hmm. And the last time she um, newly acquired a team, they went on to win the championship that was the Washington Spirit in 2021. So it, it I think there is an element of kind of wonder. And, and I, I mean, I agree that match stands out yeah. to me, Liverpool, London city, um, just based on kind of having an underdog mentality in this type of competition, it can, you can ride that. You can ride that pretty far. Uh, I've of course city arsenal, um, how, like, as people say, like, is this rigged? Like, how does this happen? What a matchup to watch. Are, are you kidding me? That makes for great television and great football across the board. I, I like that one a lot. So, okay. Um, I mean, this draw's since good. Like it. Since yeah. you like it, Lisa, choose a winner. Choose a winner between that one. Um, I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to go Arsenal. <laughs> okay. Christine, I know where you're going. Sandra. Same game? Yeah, City Arsenal. Oh, you know what? I, I got to be the combo breaker. All eyes on Bunny Shaw. I'm going to go. Woo, yeah. City. Woo, I like okay. that. We we'll know continue. Christine's going Arsenal for that one, obviously. <laughs> I got to be the combo breaker. Her, We're not even asking her. We All know right, Jenny, what goes. about you? Jenny, what about you? Who do you think? City Arsenal. I don't know. I, I Honestly, I feel like whenever I agree with Sandra, things go well. So I'm just going to go with Sandra here <laughs> on City. Okay. You know, Sandra knows all. Paisana, Mexican, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Wherever you're going, I'm with you. There you go. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on Attacking Third. This was so much fun. Lisa, Sandra, Kupo, this was awesome. Everyone um, from Attacking Third, thanks for listening.